0: Everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. This episode, we're continuing our 1990 movies. We're doing the horror and thriller section. Uh, so, we're going to be discussing Jacob's Ladder and Child's Play 2. I know those two don't really seem to go together. It's weird, but the thing is, you know what really goes well with Jacob's Ladder is a movie I don't own. It's called Flatliners. <laughs> 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 have you ever seen Flatliners? I have not, but I'm familiar with the premise. Yeah, people it's. Are basically- uh, intentionally killing themselves and bringing themselves back to life so they can see the other side. Yeah, and they're bringing back like the phantasms from that world or whatever cuz they played with death. It's a really good movie. It's very atmospheric. I just don't have it. So, sorry. <laughs> did you see, did you see the, uh, the, the remake of that one? Yeah, it wasn't bad. I didn't I didn't hate it like everybody really? did oh okay interesting I've only heard negative things yeah I know it was a huge flop it just something about it and speaking of remakes while watching Jacob's Ladder I just finished it like five minutes ago or whatever um, they remade that three years ago and I didn't even know it it was like sold straight to DirecTV I was like what the and it got terrible reviews I see that. yeah the um this is the first time watched for me on Jacob's Ladder was it for you no I've
1: seen
0: it a couple times this movie is fucking wild and yeah what was funny about um, when
1: we were first talking about doing this one I was like oh I can do this like tomorrow because I've seen it a couple times I just need like a quick quick brush through you know just like at the broad strokes to remember but as I started
0: doing that I was so confused as to what was happening that I just had to watch the whole movie again yeah so Here's what I was just realizing: 1990, because we talked about it with 1989, is the death of all the major franchises. They're they're all bombing left and right, and the new ones aren't taking. All going to space, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we we had Jason go uh, takes Manhattan, and that stunk up the joint. Uh, Freddie, what is it? The, the Dream Child, which is actually decent, um, didn't do very well, and then the Halloween Five sucks royal dick because it killed Rachel. Fuck you. <laughs> Um, and then Shocker didn't take off. The Phantom of the Opera with Robert England didn't take off. It was a really bad year for horror. All those underwater monster movies all tanked. And, and unintended. Oh, yeah, good one. Uh, so 1990 seems to be like the last gasp of that kind of horror movie, you know? And then 1990 seems like they're trying to push in another direction, a more mature, sophisticated... I mean, you could even count Ghost as almost uh, orient- oriented. Have you ever seen Ghost? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, there are a couple of scenes that are terrifying. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure the writer of Ghost is the writer of Jacob's Ladder. Oh, interesting. I have to look that up before I'm full of com- completely and utterly full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bru- Bruce Joel Rubin is uh, the writer of that one, and he did like three movies that really deal with death, so I wonder if he's working some shit out. Yeah, same writer. Interesting. Um, he did my life like three years later, where it's Michael Keaton dealing with cancer and, and stuff like that. So, um, but you're seeing more sophistication because we're getting. We also just discussed misery, and I think Jacob's Ladder is almost a giant fucking leap forward. It is. It almost feels like a horror movie now because I feel like they're more challenging and complicated than they were 30 years ago. Yeah, for sure. And I think what is, like, so
1: when you're saying that, like, we're kind of, I think it's funny that we're kind of doing a more, like, sophisticated type
0: horror movie, and then we're immediately going to go to Child's play 2. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> shit. And, uh, like, what is interesting is, like, that, yeah, those, like, you know, sequel-heavy sort of movies
1: are sort of dying out. And, yeah, we're going into, as you said uh, a while ago when we started doing this, is that, like, in the, we're getting the, the blank-from-hell type movies, which are, which are more about, like, the human experience or
0: uh, human interaction, like that kind of horror thing, like, instead of uh, extraterrestrials or monsters and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, serial killers, you know, stuff like that, those are those are fading away, and I think it's funny is, like I said, the whole fran- that whole genre was launched with Fatal Attraction, directed by Adrian Lin, who was also the director of Jacob's Ladder, and this was his big pet project that nobody wanted to do. They were like, it's too fucking strange, it's too complicated, audiences aren't gonna get it. But there was a company called Caracol, and mostly were known for doing big action movies. They had done the Rambos and and, and uh, Red Heat and Total Recall and stuff like that. But they were also known for cashing out like you know huge paychecks to you know directors and actors that they wanted to bring under their shelter to give give them some prestige. So you can see why they put you know I still can't understand how this is $25 million, though. That doesn't sound right to me.
1: Yeah, because it is pretty understated. I mean, there's, like, one kind of creature-y thing,
0: but there's not, like, I guess maybe in the settings or maybe where they had to shoot, I don't know. But, yeah, it's kind of complex. That sounds like the kind of thing, honestly, to me, knowing how a lot of these companies run feels like someone might have embezzled some of that because I'm pretty sure it's shot Canada the biggest name is Tim Robbins who really only had one minor hit before this and that's Bull Durham and he's the biggest name what so um, I'm going to guess actually probably about 12 15 at most um, but th- that's actually irrelevant. What What is actually amazing about this is that it's all about atmosphere, emotion. This is this the saddest, darkest movie that we have ever discussed. Probably, I would have to go back through stuff, but
1: it's definitely uh, not one of those where you defeat the monster kind of thing. It's not one of those.
0: Yeah, it's it's all about like these broken souls and and trying to figure out where they're going with it but here's the thing and i'm gonna spoil the fuck out of this what happened did any of it happen Or are we still we're still in vietnam right it never went yeah. beyond vietnam and he was hallucinating the whole time saying he, wait what are you saying that he never died in vietnam no no he died in vietnam and everything yeah. you saw that took place after that was all a hallucination
1: yes that's my
0: take on it holy fuck That's one elaborate mind, by the way. So while he's dying, after being gutted on the field by what, by apparently his own people, because it was part of an experiment. Mm -hmm. But but here's the thing: is is that like we learn about the experiment in his dying vision? So was that even real? Because like what I think is really good about this is just so much of it's just a stock, But if you notice in the beginning that one of his uh, one. A little bit and I'm wondering if there wasn't any gas or anything if the guy just freaked out and stabbed him and then that created this whole uh this whole movie it's just that one troop going insane that's fucking wild because we spend an hour <laughs> we spend an hour in this world where he's investigating what happened and he's meeting up with all his old you know uh uh what do you call that Um platoon anybody's uh, platoon and and they're trying to figure out like, oh, how are these people getting blown up? This mysterious stuff. Is he in purgatory? You know, I kept trying to figure out and then he was like having these breaks where he would go to another reality where he's married and he had, and Macaulay Calkin's his kid. And then he, all of a sudden he he spent so much time with Macaulay Calkin as his only kid and all of a sudden he has two more kids that no one ever brought up before and then he sucks back into another reality where he just spent talking about, oh, I just woke up from this nightmare Macaulay Culkin is hit by a car and dies so what, what is real I don't know <laughs> so you imagine his married life and the kids I just this is fucking crazy ass wild movie and I commend it I mean this is the closest I think I will ever get to like a David Lynch kind of movie and not getting angry and turning it off
1: yeah well I, I think with David Lynch movies so I found a trick to liking David Lynch movies You have to not think about it. You have to just emotionally invest as much as you can in his stories without thinking about any logic. Just try to empathize or feel whatever the characters are feeling, and you can get sucked into those movies. Uh, But with this one, there is is more of a logic happening that you can follow. There is a storyline, but it just gets incredibly muddled, and at some point, it doesn't really matter because obviously we spoiled it but he he died in vietnam none of this that he dreams about or that he's thinking about is real uh, and there's a lot of uh things that are very interesting that uh point out that he's dead um uh, and there's also this really uh dark moment at the end when they just stop performing surgery and like all right
0: he's dead and then they just walk away and you can hear this, the, the music happening in the background. is the music he was singing to his son. And uh, it's just brutal. Yeah. You know what? It made me think of, you know, this is like the polar opposite of <laughs> the emotional tone. But do you remember Raising Arizona where he talks about his vision? Hmm. I don't. Isn't that when he
1: has like a... a no, I can't remember
0: the vision. Nicholas Cage at the end of the movie is talking about how he keeps he had this vision of his life in the future and so he sees that him and his wife have a kid and then he you know they have kids and they get very very old and they're holding hands and they're like in their 90s or whatever and they're getting visited by their grandkids or whatever and life works out or whatever so it's like a very very fucked up version of Raising <laughs> Arizona <laughs> movie really is about is uh is is accepting and moving on yeah and and it is it is and that is a a really messed up
1: thing to think about like just trying forever to hold on to something that you can't hold on to whether it's his marriage whether it's his child who died tragically by getting hit by a car um whether it's to his own health like none of it really you can't keep it all like everything eventually everything that is born will die and you have to
0: accept that yeah. It's, so, it's so, very brutal. so are the the demons that are coming for, for him? Is that Was that like a metaphor for they're trying to take him to death, and he's trying to stay alive? Is that what it is? Uh, well, again, this movie is so much open, so open to interpretation that we can we can
1: talk forever about like how we what we think it is. But for me, I think the demons more represent um, the the. the consequences of holding on um so for for him that would be like he's he's dead and he has to let go so the demons are there
0: to torment him so he'll let go just like his um chiropractor was tell, telling him mm-hmm. about the difference of like angels and demons um so and also, was his chiropractor like the voice in his head telling him to do whatever like let go yeah it seems like that was more like the, the angels versus the demons kind of thing but okay
1: i think mean, also it's just um, it could also just be more about um, the, the the consequences of, of um, obsession of trying to hold on to demons or like him uh, doggedly trying to pursue something that he can't take down, trying to take down the US government um, alone is impossible and he's just banging his head out against the wall and that obsession is kind of what leads him to be put into a mental asylum where the guy has the no eyes and it's
0: But he doesn't actually go to an asylum. I know, but again, it's it's all interpretation because none of it matters. (laughs) I love this movie. I'm so impressed by the audacity to try to pull this off. Yeah, no, I remember
1: the first time I watched it, I didn't care for it because I was like one of those people at the time of like, oh, what was the point, man? Because like none of it matters. And it's like, well, yes, none of it matters, but there's a lot to unpack about that. Yeah, but, like I, I've since grown to like uh, to to love like
0: bottle episodes of TV shows that are more like in-depth dives into characters and are in these types of movies that really are just more about a, an idea rather than um, than like a plot. So yeah, uh, I think if
1: you're into that kind of thing, Jacob's Ladder is the shit.
0: I'm pretty sure it was deliberate, but by using a uh, like a soft focus or a fog filter. To give it like almost a dream feel, yes. that was I had to have been delivered. He's not a he's not a fucking you know amateur filmmaker. He he had to have known
1: because you have to try to do that, especially practically. So like there's intentionality in
0: that. Yeah, and and this none of this sounds like a horror movie, but it's it, I don't want to say the words elevated horror. I fucking hate that, but it <laughs> it's just it's more a psychological thriller. But there's some moments in it that are truly fucking disturbing, and I see it like I feel like. Like, 10 years later is when they were really using these kind of camera trickies, like the speed-up herky-jerkies and the weird shock horror, where it's not things jumping out at you, it's seeing something that you're not sure what the fuck or why the fuck you're seeing it. Like that old lady, when she her hat falls off and she has, like, horns coming out of her head? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, that was one of the most disturbing parts to me. Yeah. And stuff like that, like, you really see it. Do you remember, like, in House on Haunted Hill, the remake? Um... I think that's the first time where they really use that sped up herky jerky whatever, and I thought that's where it started, and I felt like all the horror movies use that even up to today. But no, it's it, I'm sure it started with Jacob's Ladder.
1: Uh, House on Haunted Hill the remake is that the one where uh, one of the Wilsons gets
0: his head bit off by a, a giant uh, pendulum? That's no, that is it? the Haunting, which came out just a couple months prior, which I picked oh. up today, kids. Hee-hee-hee! <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Um. um this is an
1: excellent movie and a uh, very highly recommend if you're into that kind of thing. And what's another thing that's really interesting about that is that I'm really into this um,
0: uh, what's called analog horror. Have you heard of that? No, I have no idea what that is. Is it all, all movies before there was ever any sort of digital like cell phones and, and stuff like that? Yeah, so, like, there's
1: it's very popular on, online um, but a lot of it basically has to do with being presented with something with information that you should not have and that sort of eerie feeling of being trapped and alone and I think that this
0: movie really like uh helped start that oh okay yeah it's the first time I've ever heard of that okay cool well I can send you some stuff if you're interested yeah yeah totally um, I thought maybe you meant movies that were set in the 70s, you know, before digital became a thing, so I was yeah, wrong. That is, that is part of it, like,
1: analog horror is, like, a, found footage, like, tapes, audio logs, things yeah. like that that aren't digital, but um, it, it, they they use a lot of the same tropes, and one of those tropes is, like I said, like the, being given too much information.
0: All right, so you're going to break your neck with a tone switch on this one. <laughs> Child's Play 2. Now, here's the craziest thing, and I think we discussed this on the Child's Play episode, is that MGM dire for a hit. They were just a broken company. And then the guy who ran MGM was like pretty religious, and he's like, no more horror movies, and sold off the rights to Child's Play. <laughs> That's why Universal reaped the, the benefits of all those sequels in the TV show. Um, I think the second one is still pretty good. Um, I think there's a mistake that we'll hit with the third one, where I think they rushed it too quickly. They didn't take time between. Oh, yeah. the third one is military school, right? Right. Oh, they. Oh, yeah, that was bad. In, in the sequel, you know, it still feels it's in line just enough. But what I don't like is when they kill off one of the characters, uh, especially when they're so important to the franchise, just to move in a different direction. Maybe she didn't want to do the sequel. I'll give a fair shake to that. But if they didn't want to pay her, <laughs> that's that's shit. I mean, I still
1: I still enjoyed it. I still had a good time. I, I think that they they did a little too much with uh, doing catchphrases and things like that. Like he's not Freddy Krueger. He doesn't really need those, but like it's still it's still fine, and the, the special effects are still really good. In fact, like the um, the end inside like the doll factory, uh, like that scene's still fucked up. Like I saw that as a kid, and that blew my mind.
0: And watching it as a adult, like wow, that's still pretty gross. Yeah. Oh, I think it's crazy, and you know, I think we discussed this already. I apologize if I'm repeating myself, but the fact that they would, like, grind him up and melt him and blow him up, all these things they do to him, and they're like, let's just take him back to the factory and rebuild him. No, you fucking throw the thing away, and you just put out a new one. What? Why? <laughs> yeah, I, that, that would also... I didn't quite get that, the,
1: the opening thing, but I understand that they have to make a reason why it's, it, it's still his... Like, he's still in the doll or whatever and I, they kind of just gave up on that Yeah. <laughs> the other sequels it just kind of exists forever in this doll for no reason uh, but like the idea is that um the company i guess was going to be sued or were already sued and they're trying to cover their ass they're like no look this is the original doll. we're just going to put all of the components into a new one to show you that there's nothing to be afraid of that they're all lying. so like i get i get that but like it's still just it feels a little lazy
0: Hello? yeah you're good oh okay anyway yeah so that's, that's my rant about that Man, I was just thinking, like, he's already basically unkillable in the first one. The pieces just kept going. Why don't you just, like, oh, we just put this all in a bag or whatever as evidence, and he has some sort of healing thing, whatever. And they did that with Dracula and it worked just fucking fine. Oh, um, if his head's too close to his body, the it'll knit itself back. Just do that with Chucky. Come on. So, yeah, because it really kind of walks the line of, like, well, I guess the original, the, the first one was, it was, he was, it was a voodoo thing. Right. Like he was putting his soul in the doll. So is his soul a part of the components of the doll? You know what I'm saying? Like in the sequels, it was like, or like the bride of Chucky or whatever, she did some kind of magic ritual to put his soul in another doll. So like, it's still like soul voodoo based, um, but this is like technology based, so it doesn't quite work. <laughs> yeah it it, it threw me off Uh, but you know what I gotta say Um, to this day I am still fucking haunted by that opening kill when he has the guy in the car and he has him tie his hands behind his uh, back and then he puts a bag over his head and just suffocates him that's some low key fucking horrifying shit I keep thinking about it to this day I was like okay so if that happens to me do I like try to bite the bag and tear like eat the pieces and then like you know whatever get some oxygen I don't know what I would do but it scares the shit out of me (laughs) I don't know, yeah. But that's one of those things, too. Like, if you do successfully chew that back to the point where you can breathe, they'll just kill you another way. Like, your hands are tied. You're still dead. Yeah. Or, or Chucky would just get bored. Yeah, like, fuck that shit. <laughs> um, no, he doesn't let people go. No. You know, there's a death in this that everybody thought was comical, and I think they forget how rulers used to be made. Yardsticks, and they may still be made this way, I'm not sure, but yardsticks... Um, back in the day, had a metal edge to it. Yes, I still have one of those. Okay. Yeah, and I think, if you're like, how could you get killed by something like that? It's like, yeah, those things were pretty sturdy, and it has a metal blade, basically, on it, and it's a, it's a fucking movie, guys. It's just a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Shut I up. Mean,
1: I, I mean, I get it, especially nowadays, they don't make them like that, but, yeah, if you, if you look back at the time, it worked. It made sense.
0: Yeah, and, and the deaths in this are pretty like, oh, okay, that seems like something that, you know, they're not going I over mean, the. We're t- talking about a, a doll that moves around. And yes! Moves men, so let's not argue about oh, man, and the special <laughs> effects were pretty good in the first one, but they're unbelievably good in this one. They, the technology <laughs> leaps that Kevin Yeager has done. And yes, there's still a dude in a suit for a little bit of it, but there's way more <laughs> animatronics going on. This is the one where he's walking with the axe, right? Yeah. Oh, my God, it's terrifying. It's so good. Uh, and uh, the, the gross-out gore effect of him sticking the knife into his
1: severed hand. Uh, like I, I remember that from when I was a kid. That's never left me how
0: terrifying that is. Yeah, and, and I remember I had, uh, in fact, if you look on Wikipedia, you'll see the poster. I used to have a magnet on the inside of my locker in high school that said, Sorry, Jack, Chucky's back. Child's play, too. <laughs> The Child's Play 2 uh, VHS tape is in Jerry Seinfeld's apartment in Seinfeld. That's Villa. so weird, right? He doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would want to see that. So I'm just mm-hmm. guessing they were like, ah, we need something to put here. What do we got?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> um, you know what? Let's not watch Part 3. Let's save ourselves because it no, sucks i just stick. watched Part 3 and it's not worth talking about. No, and, and of course this time, not. they don't put him back together. They just melt his body and they put him back together in another <laughs> dial. But then it's years later, so I don't know if... They were tired of working with a kid, and then they they shot forward, what, like seven years? Yeah, and I just, like that already, I was like, wait, what? This journey that we had is gone. I mean, yes, that's technically the same character, but you know that bullshit where it's like, oh, they just replaced, you know, with another actor. And I just don't think the setting works. I don't think the gags are any good. I think the one-liners suck. And there's a reason why it just faded away. They just rushed it so fast. It came out, it came out, what, nine months later? Maybe even less. Jesus. Yeah, wow. it was It was November like 10th, I think, of ni- uh, 1990 as part two. And then it was uh, Labor Day weekend, so like August 31st of 1991. That's how fast they turned that movie around.
1: I mean, to be fair, X and Pearl uh, both came out this year, but it's like the same actors in the same location,
0: so you yeah. can just kind of shoot those back-to-back and not really lose quality, but... And there's not really a lot of crazy special effects or anything. So right, it makes sense that you could make that. But I almost feel like Ty West always had this planned. like he yeah. already oh, had sure. the there's ideas. A third one. What's that? There's a third one too. Yeah, yeah. Like he, he definitely had this plan. I mean, he even pre probably sold it to the company as, "Look, we'll do this one, and then I have these two scripts. They're just ready yeah. to go, and then we just, you know, do quick three week shoots, you know." And it it it's more. Like, with Child's Play 3, it felt like they saw the box office for the weekend of Child's Play 2, they're like, oh, son of a bitch, we didn't expect the second one to be, you know, whatever, and then, you know, immediately rush. They didn't have an idea, they were like, they probably went to, like, available writers and said, what idea do you got, what idea do you got, what do you got, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah, and, you know, I guess
1: the smartest idea won, and that's what they had, and that's really depressing. I mean, like, again, it's not we're talking about. It's the same movie, just a different location. Like, you can get away with that with Child's Play 2, you
0: know, um, but you can't do it three times in a row. I was wrong, by the way. The writer is the same writer from the other movies, uh, Don Mancini, who created it. So, um, I don't Maybe he just, you know, you rush it sometimes. When a writer is just, like, exhausted from finishing the one, and all of a sudden, you're like, we want another one. Like, son of a bitch. Um, but I think taking that time off and then coming back with Bride of Chucky later, and I think the fact that there's more space—there's usually like five, six years, sometimes more—between sequels, and I think that works. What works best for him? Yeah, I mean, so you will about Bride of Chucky. I didn't really care for it, but at least there was like effort put into it. Yeah, there's an energy, a vibe to it. I fucking love Bride of Chucky, but <laughs> Seed of Chucky is the one that kind of loses me a bit. Oh, uh, maybe I'm thinking of Seed C- of Chucky. Okay. Never mind yeah Bride is where he gets married and, and he's all stitched up and it's directed by Ronnie Yu and then the fourth one no fifth one is Seed of Chucky where they're trying to have a kid and that's directed by the writer of it and it's really campy and John Waters shows up and that's yeah that's the one I'm thinking yeah of. I don't like that one um, but then I like the two directed video ones The Cult and I think what is it like The, the Curse of Chucky I think those are great yeah. sequels and then I saw the most recent one
1: and that one was great
0: Have you seen the show at all on Sci-Fi? No, but I do want
1: to give it a
0: shot. Yeah, I've I've been hearing good things about it. But um, yeah, Child's Play 2, you're still on the right track. It's not as good as the first one, but uh, it's still entertaining. And uh, anything else you want to say before we go? Uh, No, I think that's about it. All right, everybody. That is it. Facebook, Twitter, social media, whatever. All your podcast hosts under Hit (laughs) Rewind. And that's it. Have a good night. Good night, host.